people who feel lonely will tend to self-isolate. So sometimes bombing them with a phone call, they just won't pick up. Let's get into making conversations about human connection count, shall we? Chatting, chatting, chatting with another person, of course, then there are infinite 800 million people you could just continue to do this with and then never actually meet anyone who cares about you, about you, about you, about you, about you. How very dare you? Well, I dare, and my guest Simone dares. At what cost will you dare? The irony of breaking free from conformity. This life is what you do. So why is it so shocking to want to fulfil our internal desire to be the best version of ourselves when ingenuity and being helpful and connecting on our own terms with fellow humans is so important. And I hope you don't miss Alex's special guest appearance. I forget what signposted me to you, Simone, but you know when you just go, why have I not found this lady before now? Human connection speaker. And then I saw a clip of your YouTube video where you were on stage at Google and my first question has to be how the heck did you get invited onto that stage? Social media that almost 99.9% of my work comes from social media and so I had never spoken before I was learning to be a speaker studying the craft of it and and really learning the topic. I was researching the topic at the time. So that speech at Google was not about human connection. It was actually just this, my story. And that's what they asked for. But I was like, if I'm going to do this speaking thing, I really want to go out all out. Right. And so they approached me on Instagram. And then what I did was I, that whole speech came out of me complete, exactly as you saw it on stage. It's July 2005, and I'm standing at the departure gate of Perth International Airport. And my mother isn't speaking to me. In fact, she hasn't spoken to me for six months because I announced that I would be leaving my university degree midway to launch a career in entertainment in the city she migrated away from with much effort, Singapore. That is like declaring you're going to go out and commit murder. But begrudgingly, she's come to the airport to see me off. It's like I had been waiting 20 years for it to come out of me. But the reason that they were even attracted to me in the first place was I had started doing like bits and bobs of training, little secretive bits on the side of my radio job that I couldn't get in trouble about. And this is my biggest tip for you, Wendy. I would put up my one minute of brilliance. So when you're starting out, you have 30 minutes of which 29 minutes is absolute sh. And then you have one minute of brilliance in that 29 minutes. And I would cut that and put that on social media. And that's how they came to me because I was attracted to them just with the one minute of brilliance. (laughs) So whatever free speeches you get or whatever trainings you do, record everything and just extract that one minute of brilliance and edit it up nicely. 
Well, that's perfect, really. I mean, and that's what we do here on the show when we're doing trailers yeah. and sneak peeks and things yeah. like that. We'll, we'll just grab a sentence. We don't reveal everything, but there's enough there for people to go, <gasps> cliffhanger, what is the answer to that question? Exactly. But I guess when I was thinking one minute of brilliance, it was not so much to do with the content, but it was one minute where my speaking had chops. So a little bit more show really in that way versus cliffhanger of content because, you know, you want them to see you walking in your verbals and your non-verbals more than content. Now, of course, it's all very content driven because I have the topic, but I didn't then. So it was actually more about just execution that they could see that you could speak. So little, yes, little bit of, of difference. So if you want to go and speak at a Google, just a... Yeah, well, that talk at Google that has sort of really put you on the map, so to speak, was a really touching story about you, your mom, family. And what got me, what got to the heart of me, really, Simone, was that this is how our personal life leaks into our professional life. There is no separation. We don't agreed. We don't clock in, clock out. It's just people all the while. And certainly the last couple of years is, you know, you have to look after you and yours and your family. And I think it's allowed us to realign those values and to sort of see what's important to us. But you were already doing this. Like 2018, you know, bearing your soul, so to speak. There's so so much wisdom from such a young lady. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm not actually that young. I'm 38, so I, you know, Chinese genes. Maybe I look younger than I am, but certainly, I could not agree with you more, Wendy, about this idea of bringing your full self to work. And we're seeing leaps and bounds in the US with that and in the UK. But certainly at the time of that Google speech, I was working at a very toxic broadcasting organization here in Singapore. And I was having to hide who I was all the time. And I think that's what ended up with that speech being so authentic and so vulnerable is because I'd just been pushed so to the limit, so far down that it had to get out of me. It had to get out of me. And I always say to people, HD doesn't lie. So when you're on that stage and you're being filmed, if that was highly rehearsed and it came out disingenuously, people could tell. I think people can see in that recording that it is just this like dragon that needed to just, the story needed to come out and be put out there. And it changed everything for me. It was from then on people saw me as a complete human being, which is why telling stories is so vital for humans. We need to, it's a form of emotional disclosure, which leads to vulnerability and vulnerability lets people authentically connect with us. So don't be afraid to tell your stories. And I hope more organizations get on the bandwagon of, You've got human beings, 360-degree beings working for you, and they need to be able to show up fully. And if they don't, the next generation of great minds and leaders are very happy to set up their own business on the internet and not join your organization. So it's something that we're seeing with the great resignation and we're seeing within organizations they're having to bring in now. They're having to listen to people. And that makes me so happy to look back at how I was suffering at that time of that speech that in such a shorter period of time led by the pandemic. 
that we've come so much closer to making that change. That company culture, seriously, is like following the values of a family, isn't it? It's getting back to those grassroots of family run businesses, which is, you know, perhaps what history has taught us is that, you know, the sons go and work and the, the daughters go and work for, you know, that family run firm and, and, and it becomes a community in its own right. And this is where towns and villages and things were, you know, sprung up because of that. So in lots of ways, we're going back to old values, which is great. Absolutely great. Absolutely. And you, you touched on that being suppressed. And it's something that comes up a lot with the guests on the show is that suppression and not allowing your genius out, really, isn't it? If you can't shine in the majority of the time that you have here doing, what's the point? I, Wendy, we're going to be best friends. When I come to the UK, I'm going to see you. I, it is so true. You know, I see the difference in how I show up now that I've stepped into my full power. I'm dangerous at this stage versus making myself small, making myself quiet, not wanting to upset people, not wanting to be intimidating because that force of energy that I have within me was making me being bullied in that organization. Also being a Singaporean organization, there was a lot of anti-foreigner sentiment. I really sit culturally between the two worlds. I'm a Singapore permanent resident, was born here, mixed race parents, but I hold an Australian passport. So I really, one foot in, in the East and West, and this idea that in organizations, and it happens a lot, anything about you that can make you different, just like on the schoolyard, that we can pin against you to make you feel a lack of belonging, which really is where loneliness begins and disconnection begins, was being thrown at me. And you'll see this in toxic organizations, disconnected organizations all the time. And I just feel like if I could, my mission, if I could get every woman to speak their truth, if I could get every person who follows me to see this small 152 centimeter Asian woman get up there and go, you know, I have the right to be on a global stage, just like these pale, stale and male that came before me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I deserve to be here. This is what I do the same as them. I mean, it's actually a ballsy thing. I don't think I've ever said it outright in a bit of media, like I've just said it to you there, but it absolutely gives other people permission to do the same. And the amount of direct messages I get from women wanting to become speakers or become or wanting to have their voice heard and cherished and seen in the world is all because you know, I've gone about it in a really ballsy way, I think, of saying, you know, I deserve to be on here in my brightly coloured suit, just the same way as that person and that person. And there's an audacity to that, that can really either lead to people really being in your corner and becoming your super fans and you're inspiring them to do the same, or it can lead to a lot of polarisation and a lot of how dare she, you know. So that is why a lot of people don't step into their power because they don't want to deal with the how dare she's and, oh, she's living her in her truth and her best life, you know, and she's shining. How dare she? And that's one of the things that is interesting when you talk about human connection. And these all come from our base level needs to feel safe. And therefore, playing small allows us to feel that we belong. We fear social rejection 
um, so strongly because when we were evolving as early man, if we were socially rejected from that tribe, it meant that we would last maybe 24 hours out on the savannah. We would be killed by a saber-toothed tiger without the rest of our tribes people to protect us. So still today in our non-cave people brain, in this modern digitized life that we live, those basic instincts are still in that head of ours and they keep us small. So it's asking a lot of people to ignore their biology and to ignore the social rejection of just literally 30% to 50% of haters to embrace not only yourself, but all of the good stuff that's going to come with that. And most people never get to see that good stuff because the fear to stay small, conform and safe is too strong. It's ironic as well, isn't it, Simone, that you know, you mentioned about when you become a parent just before we came on. And as a parent myself, two daughters, one's 28, the other's 14, right? Wow. You do everything you can to encourage them to be the best that they can be. So long as you do your best, you can't ask for any more. It really is irrelevant that you're not very good at it if you've done your best, right? But then you go out into the world and company culture and and conformatism says you've got to do just enough. Don't raise your head over the parapet. I don't want you to be causing a fuss which goes completely against what we teach as parents, yet we're also reinforcing that in the workplace. Bonkers. It's so funny that you say this because I marvel at this as someone, and it's what is written in my book, they had Asian parenting. So very differently in the home, we were very much criticised and put down because our parents grew up in this kind of immigrant threat mindset okay and they perceived that not praising us and criticizing would keep us safe when we got out into the world that we would not think too big of ourselves that we would work ridiculously hard to the point of exploiting ourselves you'd be used to achieve things but to not step into our power so you're achieving but you're never really asserting that you've achieved anything or letting it soak in or enjoying those achievements, even when you're far clear of your parents and they're long gone and passed away. And so I find that firstly beautiful and fascinating that the best was good enough in a Western home because certainly, and it's a big message in my book, the best was not good enough in the way that I was raised. You know, the best was not about your best. The best was where do you sit in the world's perception of your best? And then, however, to your point, once I got into the workplace and exactly what you said was shocked that here I am trying to go above and beyond and it's actually not needed of me. (laughs) It's actually, you know, how fracturing, disconnecting that paradigm was that, hey, it's not about achieving too much in this workplace. It's actually about keeping yourself small. Don't assert yourself or you won't be seen as a team player. And then let's just get this over the line. And the organization is not going to give you the tools to do this to the best of your ability. So it's going to be slow on deadlines, disorganized because of the toxic culture, right? So disorganization happens as a result of a fracture in communication and communication and connection 
are very, very linked. Yeah. It's the just do what we've asked you to do and no more. Yes. Squashes the individuality, the ingenuity that we have in being problem solvers. And, you know, it's like you can't go to your boss and go, I've just done this and I've solved a problem. Isn't it great? Because the boss will go, why have you done that? Who do you think you are? I'm the boss. I remember, Wendy, sending my former boss here in Singapore the link to a, a gentleman who's like a global speaker on the future of radio and sent her this link to a great article that I thought could help her. And she was like, I already replied back. I already know who this person is. I attended such and such and he was speaking that like, really offended that I had essentially just knowledge shared. And I remember thinking I no longer want to be in a place where my full skill set is not appreciated. And what is incredible about running your own business and building your own brand is that you can fully inhabit anything you want to do and to see how it's all grown as a result of sitting in that power is something that I would like for everyone and I'm sorry that my doggy is barking bring him on it's fine is he going Alex (laughs) he just got the most treats he's ever had Wendy he got double the treats just to keep him quiet I saw him sniffing around behind you and I was kind of like, oh, was he? dog, is it a cat? No, it's a dog. It's a dog. It's a dog. Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Apologies, apologies. No, that's okay. That's your fur baby. Massively my fur baby. It's a bit creepy, frankly, how much I love that dog. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, they love you unconditionally. And this is kind of the point, isn't it, about human connection is that we ought to be able to meet anybody a stranger at work along the street your neighbors and have that same sensibility of love for people we should i should have worn my big love hoops i have them they say love look i couldn't agree with you more i'm working on book two at the moment which is going to be about human connection and polarization and i think it is a really difficult difficult thing to love thy neighbor right now in the way that the world and social media and what the algorithm showed us shows us has been gearing people towards and I think if you go in through the lens of a few things that I talk about firstly when you meet someone you you know go in through the lens that you have more alike as human beings than than you have different about you you both crave the same basic human needs so when in doubt talk about those basic human needs food water and shelter great safe topics and love and connection also great topics. In fact, if you think about a dinner table, how much you talk about love and relationships, food, your house is pretty much our basic needs is what human beings talk about at dinner parties. So these are great topics. So scan through the world when you meet new people with this idea that you're more alike than different and also have an others driven mindset in a self driven world. So if I'm going out and I'm thinking about how can I help every person that I come into contact with, that's a very different lens than being antagonistic, you know, being like, I really don't like this person because they're wearing a a shirt from a sporting team that I am opposed to or whatever it is. And we're at a stage with disconnection, loneliness on the planet where we almost do have to prime ourselves and we go out to connect with people that aren't our existing friends and family. It's actually, you're right. It's a tough thing right now. It reminds me of times 
where you can say on social media, you are surrounded by thousands of people. I mean, look, if we take LinkedIn, for example, as a, as a platform, over 800 million users. So you should never, ever be alone. Yet it can be the most lonely of places because you're looking for that reassurance of traffic, engagement, people acknowledging you and, you know, you wanting to avoid being trolled at all costs. <laughs> and and the thing, it's strange because when you consider the algorithms that you mentioned there, Simone, they're designed and created by corporate companies looking yes. to drive the dollar or the pound or whatever it, currency it is. And they're using us. Yes. They're using us and our propensity to connect with other humans. The last chapter in my book is called Paradox and it's all about look, digital connection is the junk food version of real connection. So you must have boundaries within yourself that your digital following is not the same as your friends and family. You need very specific sorts of connections to be healthily socially connected. And guess what? Social media followings and communities are not part of those connections. So they are there and they have a role in business. If they help market your business, good, because the business that is the platform that you're on, is also getting use out of you and your data and God knows what else. So having that maturity to say, this is not what I go home to at night is very important. And I worry for the generations under me who were raised with mobile phones and social media, whether that has become hardwired into them, that need for validation through social media, from very, very young, it's easy for me to have boundaries because I had an entire eight, well, 16, 17 years before mobile phones became something that everyone had. Imagine when you don't. I think that could be very difficult to go through puberty when you want validation, when you have this addictive device and these things happening. And we're more logistically connected than ever, but more emotionally disconnected than ever. And that is because it's so easy to make connection that people are using online connection as the destination versus the way station. So technology should be the way station to meet in person, not the destination. So you'll find a lot of people younger than me, it'll be chatting, chatting, chatting with one person. That person doesn't want to meet up, chatting, chatting, chatting with another person. Of course, then there are infinite 800 million people you could just continue to do this with and then never actually meet anyone who cares about you in real life who'll be there for you. The kind of human connections that extend our lifespan and improve our immunity are the kind of people, as Susan Pinker says, that you can call with an existential crisis that you can call if you're sick to take you to the hospital and that if you're really in a financial bind, you can call them and feel comfortable to ask them to loan you money. These are the kinds of human connections that truly nourish and satiate us. Digital connections are like junk food. They feel good like the first bite of a hamburger, but they will not give us that nutrition that increases our immunity and helps us to live longer. You make a really good point there, Simone, in as much as that there's three things, three people that you need to be able to call on. And it's health, wealth and mm -hmm. happiness, really, isn't it, that, that you're yeah. referring to. So challenge for the listeners, who are your three people? Is it the same person in all circumstances? Because, you know, 
when my dad was alive, he would have been my port of call in any storm. Oh, so, lovely. You know, mine too, darling. Mine too. Rest in peace, Robert Hayne. But yes, mine too. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we have lives that are in the real world. So it is about being sure that there is that human connection, as you say. And I know you've you've referenced your book. I mean, The, the Secret Pandemic. What a cracking title. Because it is. I had a type of coach. I wish I could say that was mine. <laughs> no, but it, it it really just, you know, in two words, it gets to the point. It tells you what what you're going to learn and, and remind yourself. Because we all know this stuff, don't we, Simone? It's just that we choose to kind of paper over the cracks because it's not really happening to us. Or, or we just don't, we're ashamed to be vulnerable and say, hey, I'm a bit lonely and just to the point of of what I love that you said about the three people but you know we we know there are three different types of loneliness and Bruce A. Austin Rochester University of Technology created a scale to measure how lonely an individual was the first thing is intimate loneliness this is where they don't feel they have a person they can truly be vulnerable with this could be your best friend for a lot of people this is their romantic partner husband or wife got to be that person that bones and all you can be vulnerable with and they still love and accept you the next rung of loneliness is relational loneliness this is where you don't feel you're part of a social fabric so you can't pick up the phone to anyone family friends to ask for a favor you just perceive or maybe in truth there is no one there for you and the third rung of loneliness is collective loneliness. And this is more easy to solve and organizations can help people solve this. This is collective loneliness where you feel you don't have a shared mission or even hobbies sometimes with people who are like-minded. So they don't have to be your deepest friends. They could be from a crafting group or a church group or a diversity and inclusion group within your organization. You don't have to be best buddies, but you have shared commonality. And that gives you a sense of social connection. If you can fill all these three rungs of loneliness, you're well on your way to having healthy social connection. We know loneliness is more deadly than smoking, an alcohol problem, or obesity. So let's look at this actually filling these rungs of loneliness as like a well-being project versus just a mental health issue. It is that challenge, isn't it, of having a purpose and going back to what we said in the beginning, which is being able to step into your genius. And if you're not in your own power, then you're only on first gear, second gear of, you know, a magnificent engine that can take you real places. I've got another challenge. (laughs) If we're going to think of three people that we can go to in a port of storm, it may be that we've lost touch with people. Certainly over the last couple of years, we with not, us not being able to, to move about as much. And, and I know that things have, uh, have gone back to a semi-normal and there's hybrid working and all these different things. But there's perhaps somebody or more than one that you've lost touch with that could be suffering from those things. Of Absolutely. Connection. So I, in the book, give this connection challenge to go through your most used messaging app, messaging app in your phone, whatever that's WhatsApp, maybe use SMS or Facebook, and just go through the DMs and scroll back and think, who have I not heard from in the last six months to a year on these? And the names will pop up, jog your memory, 
And the second filter is to think about who tends to self-isolate. So we all have friends who are introverts to extroverts on a spectrum, and your introverts will tend to have made the pandemic an excuse to go deeper within themselves. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a great way to reach out. And I always say to ping pong with people, right? Reciprocity is very important in authentic connection. Start by writing a text message. They text back, then escalate that to a voice note. They voice note back, you know, you escalate because people who feel lonely will tend to self-isolate. So sometimes bombing them with a phone call, they just won't pick up. So just slowly, slowly. Yeah, it's about being being kind and gentle, isn't it? I think some great tips there, Simone. If there was one thing that you could share for anybody that is maybe struggling or just feeling a little bit overwhelmed with human connection, what would your one tip be to sort of help them with their confidence? Yeah, so with those who feel really in a lack of confidence and feel very much introverted and the thought of going back into a crowded room with people to socialise after your social skills have atrophied during the pandemic scares you, here is my tip. Let's use those social media apps for what they were originally invented for to actually connect us. So for introverts, I always say look for people who have similar values and interests to you online and start conversations in the DMs, the direct messages with those people who seem to have commonalities with you. So you have the same hobbies, you like the same things. And then slowly whittle that down to people you want to have a coffee catch up with. And I've done this recently when I went to Perth over the pandemic. I am based in Singapore, but made a lot of friends with like-minded business owners in Perth via the messaging apps during the pandemic. And then we all met up when I was in Perth and it was the most beautiful, wonderful thing. So rather than someone who's scared and not self-confident going into a room where you have to circulate and talk to 20 people before you find one that might have a similarity to you and then move that conversation to a coffee catch up later, that's a lot of exhaustion for introverts. So use these apps as a filtering device and then, of course, take it to an in-person connection. Don't just stay chatting on there. It's it's all about protecting our energy, isn't it? In the right places, for the right reasons, with the right people. Yeah, we are all too frazzled as it is in the world yeah. we're living. Yeah. Simone, there's some great, great insights there. And you've made me think about a couple of people already that have popped into my head and I'm going to go and connect with them again later. We're going to carry on that conversation in just a moment. But first, what's new, Wendy Wu? Well, the tip for this week is about using social platforms as the first step to creating a connection that will blossom into a human relationship. Now, of course, there are lots of different ways of going about this. And in my book, I use that for business. In today's episode, Simone talks about that from the perspective of the three loneliness categories. So much, much deeper level. So why don't you grab my book or Simone's book and then let us know what you think. It's the time in the show where I go, 
it's time to share that conversation that changed everything for you. So I always invite guests to think about one conversation that if you didn't have it, that change would never have happened. And when you start to think about those sorts of situations as a few guests have gone oh I don't think I've got any and then I've actually gone I've got so many I didn't know which one to share but there's always some learning from those sorts of conversations so what can you think of today for us oh my goodness I have so so many but one of them that I was actually sharing with my girlfriend this morning who was dealing with some imposter syndrome issues and so it's fresh in my mind so I'll share that one and hopefully it will help So when I first started transitioning to keynote speaking, it was, of course, terrifying and very draining. I would get sick after each speech. You know, you're 45 minutes memorizing and then sharing this message. And I put so much pressure on myself for it to be perfect. And one day it got so overwhelming. Sometimes I wouldn't even sleep leading up to a speaking gig. And one of my girlfriends is a very well-known MC here. So she hosts events. I told her how I was feeling. And she said, not only have you got this, this is what you do. She says, this is what you do. And there was something in the phrasing of that that made me feel so empowered, like I belong in this space. And it changed everything for me because every time I go up on stage and I think to myself, this is what you do, I stop being in this ingratiated place like, oh, Of course, I'm grateful, but I was very much different to a lot of the older male speakers who felt like I own the stage. I felt like, oh, they've given me a chance and aren't I lucky and blah, blah, blah. And I can't believe this brand chosen me. Instead, this idea of belonging and connection, I felt connected to the audience because I felt I belonged there. And I could put aside my ego and everything else and my, well, my, my scared ego and be fully present and there for my audience and connect and give them that message because I was like, this is what I do. This is what I do day to day and I get up and this is part of me. It's part of my skin and part of my DNA and I deserve to be here. So if anyone's dealing with moments where they have imposter syndrome, you know, this is what you do. Allow yourself to be you. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Because really nothing else matters, does it? And and I would liken that yes. a little bit to, you remember when, when you were really, really young and it was like your, your first crush and they show an interest in you and it's like the only thing you can think about. It's <laughs> that same thing, isn't it? When you find why you're here and what it is that you're meant to do, it's like your first crush. You just can't think of anything else. So you know yeah. that you're doing the right thing. Oh, Wendy, I love that you said that. Somebody had coffee with me who was really like, I've known him for 20 years, like a mentor, hadn't seen him in a long time. He had some health issues. We met up. He said, you know, I, I've I've only been seeing your life through photos online, but even how you smile is different. And I said, of course, because when I was working for other people, I was in a fight or flight mode. My pupils were dilated. I was posing in photos, but it was that fake smile. And now I smile for real because I have this crush. I'm in love with what I do. And it like, it feels a lot more natural and effortless and innate. And every, I feel, and people could argue against this, but I feel everyone deserves to feel that way about what they do. And I'm trying to build that in the community here 
I want people to feel that. Well, Simone, my mindset coach would say there is no such thing as trying. And my observation is you are doing that. You are being that. So, you know, here's permission for everybody to go ahead and have human connection. Because Simone and Wendy said you can. (laughs) (laughs) Simone, I've absolutely loved speaking to you today. I loved speaking to you. You're such a beautiful human. I can feel your energy through the camera. You wait, one day we will meet, we'll be in the same physicality. But until then, I always say to the listeners to carry on the conversation. It's not just about listening today. Follow and, you know, share with Simone what you take from this. Where's the best place for them to go and hang out with you, Simone? Absolutely. So I'm really active on LinkedIn and Instagram and you can just search Simone Heng Speaker into LinkedIn and Simone Heng on Instagram. My book, Secret Pandemic, is available on Amazon. Just put Secret Pandemic in and the book will come up and you can get it wherever you wherever you are right now in the world. Ah, oh, fantastic. It's a great read, everybody. So, you know, I would say read it and pay it forward or get them their own. Hmm. Now, I've listened to Simone and I talk back a couple of times. And the key takeaway for me is who are those three people in your life? And who should you be back in touch with that you've not been for a while? I'd love to hear what this conversation makes you make count in your life and business. Drop us a review or an email to the show. And any of those that we get, we love to shout them out. Next time. And I know you're a fan of short books because I know your your book, you know, Making Conversations Count was a shorter book. These types of books are ideal for most business owners. Mm-hmm.